morning. So, hey, welcome out to those that are joining us. Welcome to those uh, that are joining us online as well. Uh, we are in this series called In the Middle. Well, we are taking a look at just a few of the Psalms, the, these ancient poems, these ancient songs that teach us how to better relate and how to connect with our Heavenly Father. And this morning, we're going to be in Psalm 32. If you have your Bibles, we'll get there in a little bit, or you can turn to it on your phone. We'll get there in a few minutes. Um, you know, one of the common mistakes that, that people make when they think about the Christian faith or what it means to be a follower of Jesus is that they reduce the Christian faith to just these spiritual activities, the, these spiritual disciplines, prayer, reading the Bible, meditating on Scripture, coming to church on a Sunday morning. And these are all a vital component of what it means to, to, to follow God. But what happens is that people begin to measure their spiritual health, and they begin to measure their spiritual maturity uh, based on how often or how, or, or how long they perform these disciplines. But the real goal of the Christian life is, is not to just to add a lot of religious activities to our lives. The, the real goal of the Christian life, God's goal for our lives, is to have a changed life. Jesus defined the Christian life as one that is marked by a growing love for God and love for people. He, he made it super simple. The goal that God has for our lives is, is that, our, that our character over a period of time, that, that our inner being over a period of time would increasingly be replaced by the character of Christ in our lives. So the core question that we must wrestle with is, is not one of how busy are we with religious activity. The, the question that we have to really wrestle with is, what kind of person am I becoming? Uh, is my life characterized by a greater love and compassion for people? Is it characterized by this increasing desire and worship for God? That's the essence of the Christian faith. And what that means is that requires this inward transformation. The biggest need that we have as human beings is to actually have our hearts changed. Um, Jesus said it this way, and this is one of the, the verses that has really shaped how I view my walk in these last several years of my life. In, in Luke chapter 6, Jesus says, The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the evil man, likewise, brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of his heart, his mouth speaks. Here's what, what Jesus understood about human nature. Whatever is in us will eventually leak out of us. We, we all leak. You, you, can, you can try to fake it for a little while. You can try to put in a really nice filter when you're around friends or family. But eventually, over time the real character inside of you will eventually leak out. What's in you will eventually come out. That's what Jesus is teaching here. And so what he's saying is that if we want our lives to be, be, to be characterized by this genuine love for God and others, then it starts with a very careful examination of our hearts and a transformation, an inward transformation has to take place first. And that is the role that spiritual disciplines that we were talking about actually have in our lives. And I think that's crucial for us to understand. They, they are not a measure in and of themselves of, of our spiritual maturity. They, they are actually the means of getting us into the presence of God where he can do a work on our hearts. And so the more that I come before him through these practices, the, the more opportunities that he has to change my inner character, to change my heart, and the more I'll become the kind of person who actually wants to do what is right do what is good, to do what is noble, to, to, to be compassionate to those around me, to, to worship 
the God that has saved me, because we all act out of the overflow of our hearts. Now, now this truth that Jesus was talking about, this, this life principle about what is in us will eventually come out of us, explains a lot of the struggles that, that sometimes we have in our spiritual growth. This explains why there are sometimes there are these seasons, long seasons, where, where we don't see a lot of consistent growth in our lives. What, why it is that Sometimes we, can, we keep making the same mistakes over and over again in our lives. And why it is that sometimes we see these patterns in our lives that we just can't seem to break free from. It's because when we are confronted with our leakiness, when we are confronted with the bad overflow of our hearts, oftentimes our initial reaction is to, is to just ignore it and say, nah, you know what? That was just a one-time deal. It was, it was a bad day at work. That's all it was. Or we decided to cover it up, to, de- to deny that it actually happened, uh, to avoid it, to blame someone else, or, or, or to just hide it in some way. That, that's been the human existence since the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve. The reason that you and I keep fighting against the same patterns in our lives is because we have a heart problem. Somewhere along the way, something got lodged in your heart. Hurt, bitterness, anger, insecurity, lust. And, and the truth is, is that those don't just go away because you turn the page on the calendar. And if you haven't dealt with what's going on in your heart, if you haven't identified and really addressed and dealt with it, then all you do is just transfer that, that same inner heart, that, that same inner thinking to the next season of your life. Because again, we act out of an overflow of our heart. And and here's why this is so important, because if we don't begin to identify and deal with our heart issues, it destroys our capacity to love. It damages our relationship. It it keeps us from seeing the progress of growing in intimacy with with our Heavenly Father. So God, in His infinite wisdom and love, has given us the discipline of confession, to deal directly with our hearts. So in in the time that we have remaining, I I want us to take a look at this ancient practice of confession in in a way that will allow us to actually address, to to open up our lives and our hearts and actually address some of these issues that are holding us back from the life that God wants us to experience. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Psalm 32. And this psalm, like a lot of the psalms, is written by a man named David. You've probably heard of him. He was a brilliant guy. He accomplished some amazing things in his lives. He, he, he killed a giant. He was the, the king of Israel for a season, but it, his life also included some monumental failures. Uh, he, he committed adultery with another man's wife, and then he had that man killed in battle to try to cover up what he had done. Eventually, David's found out, and, and when he is found out, he, he discovers the power and the process of how it is that he can confess, how he can confront the truth of his own heart before God. And he wrote about this journey from going from a place of confession to a place of forgiveness in Psalm 32. So we'll pick up in verse 1. David starts and he says, Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is found no deceit. So so David starts off this psalm, and he says, this is why confession is so important. And he says that it's for our sake. I think sometimes people misunderstand the the point of confession. Sometimes people believe that that confession is actually for God's sake. 
that, that our sin has made him angry, and the only way to appease that anger is for us to confess to him. But David says, no, that, that's not the case. What you, what you need to understand, what, what I need to understand is that confession is first for your sake. He says that there's this blessing that comes into our lives as a result of confession. And David skips over all of the, the normal definitions that come to mind for us when we think about blessing. He, he doesn't refer to money or success or comfort. He, he realizes that his greatest need in life is a, is a spiritual one. It, it's a need to have his sin forgiven. So what we need to understand is, at the very beginning, that God has given us this practice of confession so that we can experience the blessing, the happiness, the joy of having our sins forgiven. In order to receive that blessing, to understand the importance of it, we first need to understand the seriousness of what our sin is. Our sin is not a neutral thing. Our sin is an act of rebellion. It's... An act of, it's a direct affront against a holy and perfect God. It, it's actually our way of stating, you know what, um, my gain and my glory come first before yours, God. And that's a huge problem because it puts us in direct conflict with a holy God. But the good news that David starts this psalm with is, is that God is the kind of God that is actually willing and he wants to forgive. And sometimes that's a hard thing for us to internalize as human beings because as we have gone through our lives, we've all had people in our lives that, that have refused to forgive, that, that who have held grudges against us and resentment against us, who, who have tried to exact revenge against us. And so we worry. As people, sometimes we worry and we want to project that onto God and we wonder, like, maybe God's the same way. So David starts this psalm off, and he says, I want to speak directly into that concern. He says, no, no, no. Blessed is he whose sins are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Uh, the Hebrew word for forgiven literally, literally means to be lifted up and carried away. And the word for covered has this implication of, of being concealed, of being blotted out. And so David is saying, God wants to give you a clean record wipe the record clean and he wants to give you a new heart a clean heart that, that he's willing to take away your sins to carry them away and to blot them from existence and so maybe you're here and you're wondering how, how can he do that how can a holy and perfect god just say forgiven wiped clean well the reason that he can do that is because of jesus is that, that when jesus came to this earth and he went to the cross he took our sins on the cross, and, and he bore the penalty that our rebellion demanded. And then his blood covered our sin, and it purchased our freedom and our ability to experience a life with God so that we could experience this blessing of God's forgiveness. It's almost as if when David is starting this psalm, he's saying, you, you do realize that God wants to do this, right? Right? you do realize that, that you don't have to remain stuck any longer, that, that you can actually experience freedom from your burden, that, that you can experience freedom from this ongoing cycle that you can't seem to get out of, that you can experience life with a transformed heart, that God is the kind of God that can and will and wants to forgive. That, that is an audacious claim of God's grace, especially when you think about 
the guy who was saying it. You see, David understood firsthand what it means to experience the blessing of God's forgiveness that comes from confession. And so before he gets into the how of how confession works, he sets the stage and it reminds us that, that it begins and it's done with God's forgiveness in full view. That before we go to God with, with our confession, we understand that he is a God that forgives. And so we don't have to hide or conceal anything from him. So in the time that we have, I'm going to unpack three real quick truths about what genuine confession looks like. And it's going to teach us how it is that we can come before God and confess our sins to him. The first is that confession breaks the silence. So David's going to transition here for this next uh, part of the passage. And he's going to go from the blessing of receiving God's forgiveness to explaining the burden that happens when we don't go to God. And this is a, a personal testimony of sorts of, of what David experienced in his own life when he was trying to hide and conceal and not go to God with, with what was happening in his heart. So it begins in verse 3. David says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For, for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. So, so David is describing, he's, he's carrying around this burden that happened because he had this unconfessed sin in his life. And there are any number of reasons why it is that, that he and sometimes we try to withhold going to God. Maybe it's pride. We just don't like to admit that we were wrong. Or maybe it's despair. That, that You can be so overcome with guilt that, that you think that there's no way that, that God could or would ever forgive you. That in your mind you're thinking, you know what, I, I went too far this time. That there's no way that God could do something like that, could, could forgive someone like me. That, so we don't know exactly what it was that, that it kept David from going to God, but, but he paints this word picture of the misery that he was experiencing and it's one probably that a lot of us have experienced at some point in our lives david says you know what when i kept silent when i kept this hidden when i wasn't talking to to my god and, and my creator I, I was just i was dying inside and he explained this thing that like I, he could feel it in his bones and he had this groaning that came from this stifled conscience where, where he didn't really want to address the stuff that was going on in his life the fact is, is that we were created to be in this perfect relationship with God and when we fall into sin and we fall away from him it makes life unbearable the truth is, is that secret sins are a lot like splinters and the longer they stay in our lives and the longer that we don't root them out the worse they get that the longer our hidden sins remain hidden the more they grow and the more the pain and the guilt, it just begins to fester up inside of us and it twists things inside of our hearts it, and it, it darkens our heart and, and it affects the people around us. Secrecy gives room and power for sin to, to really take root in our lives and it will always, always affect the relationships with the people that we love the most. The longer this stuff just stays hidden and, and doesn't come out into the open, what you find is that you begin, you begin to lie to the people that you love and trust the most. You, you begin to withdraw from them. You, you find that you grow more easily angered with them and you, and you lash out in anger and frustration. You, you find that you become more judgmental 
the people around you. I think part of that may be to, to lessen the guilt that, that you or I may be experiencing during that time, and so we, we cast that out on other people. But when our sin remains secret and hidden, what David is saying, and I know that we've all experienced, is it just destroys our lives. David was describing these emotions, and he, and he said that, that he could feel the weight of the hand of God on his life. And it's this picture of the convicting and disciplining hand of God, uh, this pain that, that David was feeling, the, the pain that we feel when there is unconfessed sin in our lives is this, the, the pain of being faced with our true selves. And this question, if I, how did I become the kind of man that could do that? How did I become the kind of person that, that just flies off a handle at my kids and that could speak so harshly to them? How did I become the kind of person that, that would lie or, or twist the truth so that others could think better of me? What happened in my heart? That, that's the kind of pain that, that David was experiencing right now. Conviction brings us to a place where, where we really understand the weight and the destruction of the sin in our lives, and, and we grieve it. It's what um, Paul refers to as godly sorrow, that there's this heartbreak over the sin in your life that is destroying your relationship with God and with the people that you love the most. And so this first step is that, that, we, that we break the silence and we raise our hand and say, God, there's a problem. I have a problem. And we ask God to send as much light into our lives as we can bear so that we can do this next step. The confession acknowledges the sin in our lives so if we want to see lasting change if we really want to see that this inward heart transformation in our lives then we will have to enter into a life of of constant self-examination of acknowledging and naming the sin the mistakes the failures in our lives look at what he says in verse five it says then i acknowledge my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity and i said i will confess my transgressions to the lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. So what David is saying, what we need to understand is that if we're going to, to confess, if we're going to address the issues in our lives that are holding us back from our relationship with God, then it's going to take a time of brutal honesty, of looking ourselves in the mirror and looking back on our days, looking back on the conversations that we had throughout the day and reflecting on our thoughts. Reflecting on the words that we chose, re reflecting on the deeds that we, that we did, and acknowledge where we have fallen short. Acknowledgement means that, that we give very clear, direct, concrete statements. We, we're not going to shy around from it. We're actually going to name what it is. You know what? I, I lied. That's what I did there. I, I was cruel. I should not have used those words. I, I cheated. I, I gossiped about them behind their back so that I could push them down a little bit lower and I could feel better about myself. I was envious of their stuff. I felt like God was holding out on me. You know, I entertained lustful thoughts. And, and during this state, we, we are naming it and we are bringing it out of hiding and out of secrecy and bringing it to God. And confession also means that I'm going to take responsibility for it. I'm going to take responsibility for what I did and I'm not going to cover it up I'm not going to make excuses. I'm not going to gloss it over. Sometimes what begins as a confession ends up sounding a lot like an excuse. Or like, you know, I, 
I didn't mean to yell at them. I just had a bad day at work. Or I, I wouldn't have done that if they wouldn't have done that, what they did to me first. Genuine confession means getting to a point where we say, you know what, my behavior what was not the result of a bad day. It was not the result of the way that I was raised. It was not some chemical imbalance from eating too many chicken McNuggets when I was a kid. You know, at some point in the mix of all this, there was a choice that I made, and it was wrong, and it needs to be forgiven. That's what confession does. It's this idea, very simply stated, this is what I did, and I was wrong. God, this is what I did, and I was wrong. How long has it been since you said that clearly and that directly to God, this is what I did, and it was wrong? Um, Confession literally means, in, in, in the Greek and the New Testament, it literally means agreeing with God. It, it means, it's this picture of, I am standing shoulder to shoulder with God, and we are both looking at the sin that I committed, and I am agreeing with him, and I am seeing it the same way that he does. The reason that God hates sin, the reason why it grieves him, the reason why he's saddened by it, is because sin destroys life. And so when we confess our sin to God, we see sin and we name sin for what it truly is, that it is the enemy of a life with God and we run from it. I heard someone say one time that you don't have to teach people to hate cancer. People naturally, instinctively hate cancer because they love life. And in the same way, God wants us to love our life with him so much that, that we'll hate anything that stands in the way, that, that creates a barrier between us experiencing a right relationship with him. So part of confession includes asking God to help us see sin the way that he does, to help us hate sin the way that he does. But confession is not just naming what we've done in the past. It also involves the intentions about our future as well. That, that when we receive the blessing of God's forgiveness in our lives, not only do, do we get a clean slate and a clean heart, but, but he also gives us a new direction to follow. And so confession, real confession, requires a kind of, of, con, of a commitment to change. That through the power of God at work in our lives, the Bible term for that is the word repent. It, it's this vow that Okay, God, I was heading in this direction, but I am changing the direction of my life, and I'm going to follow the direction that you give me, and that with God's help that we will change. And here's what you'll find. That as God does his work in your heart through this power of confession, that you will have a deep desire not to do that hurtful thing again. That, that, that sin will look less and less attractive over time, and you'll begin to see some real lasting change so we break the silence we admit there's a problem we go to god and then we acknowledge specifically what that sin is and then there's one last lesson that we can learn is that confession restores the relationship and, and i love the, the way that, that david captures uh, how his relationship with god was restored in verses six and seven he said therefore let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found Surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. And I love this phrase. He says, God, you are my hiding place. 
you will protect me from trouble, and you will surround me with songs of deliverance. David goes from despair to hope. He says, God, you are my hiding place, that that you will protect me, that you will deliver me, that you will surround me. And, And he goes from this place where he was hiding from God to where he is hiding in God alone, knowing that the relationship with God has been restored. Confession uh, is always done in hope. It's always done in hope that the relationship will be restored. Guilt and conviction, it may be a very important stop along the journey, but, but it's never meant to be the end of the line. That confession is always done with forgiveness and with restoration in full view with a view of the cross in front of us. It's God saying as we look at the cross and we see his grace and we see his mercy, God is saying, I I want you to never lose sight of what the cross purchased for you. I've already forgiven you. I've already forgiven you. God is saying, since he's already forgiven us, what he's saying is the ball's now in your court. And what confession allows us to do is to get in God's presence so that we can restore the relationship with him. Confession and forgiveness gives us the freedom to finally and fully address some of the things that are holding us back, that our hearts have have gotten twisted and wicked and away from God. And God's saying, as you are doing this, Know that you're already forgiven. And sometimes that, that's a really, really hard thing for, for people to accept, to really accept God's forgiveness. And they end up missing out on the freedom that it brings. Some people are so eaten up um, with guilt and shame from a past sin that, that they feel like they just have to keep asking God over and over again to forgive them, and they can't receive it. Or sometimes people feel like they have failed God in such a way that they come up with their own sentence that they feel like they have to do something and they hang their head low and they feel like they have to do something in order to earn God's forgiveness. And even after they have confessed, many believers fail to to leave the shame and the guilt where it needs to to leave. The cross is where guilt and shame ends. But so often people will say things, like I I hear them at times and they say, I'm a Christian. I've confessed the sin of my life. I've made the changes. I've stopped that sin in my life, but I still feel guilty. Or sometimes people will say, I I know that that God has forgiven me, but I can't forgive myself. But what this psalm shows us is that if you have confessed your sin to God, you, you do not need to walk around with guilt and shame any longer. If you have stopped whatever sin it was in your life, if you have repented and turned back to where God has called you to, and you are still feeling guilty, know that that's not coming from God. That, that we have an active enemy, an accuser, who wants to, to keep us from experiencing God's uh, truth in our lives. So here's what you need to do. As soon as you, here's, here's how he operates. As soon as you confess your sin to God and it's time to get up and get after what God has called you in your life, he's going to start accusing you. He's going to say, you're not really forgiven. You don't really believe that, that God is going to let you off, do you? He's not going to let you off that easy. He can't use someone like you. And, the, and this accusing voice of our enemy, 
gets turned up to this almost deafening and paralyzing level. So if, if you struggle with ongoing guilt um, for a past sin in your life that's been forgiven, a great verse for, for you to memorize is Psalm 103. It says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So it, if you feel guilt after you confess, then you need to tell your accuser that truth. You need to tell yourself that truth. You need to surround yourself with other people who can remind you of that truth. As far as the east is from the west, so is my sin removed from me. And then you continue to remind yourself and pray that truth to, you, to yourself so that it, it doesn't just come on your lips, but it goes into your mind and into your heart, and you can realize that you are forgiven. The good news is that we have a God who welcomes sinners into his presence like you and like me to receive his forgiveness so that we can walk and experience a right and restored relationship with him that he's lovingly and gracious, graciously given us a way in our lives, a discipline in our lives, an exercise in our lives where we can experience the truth of his forgiveness in a real and tangible way. Confession allows us to do the hard work, the heart work of examining our hearts and our inner lives in the presence of the God who loves us so that we can experience the blessing of his forgiveness and his healing in our lives. So knowing that that blessing is there, then what we need to do is to take the time regularly, take the time daily to break the silence, to, to acknowledge the sin in our lives, the condition of our hearts, and then accept God's forgiveness and walk in a restored relationship with him. So we're going to close with a song this morning, a powerful song. And I, I just pray that the lyrics, that the words of this song would speak the truth of God's love and God's mercy and God's forgiveness into your heart and that you can see the open arms that he has that has welcomed you back into his presence again. Let me pray for us. Father, we are we are thankful. Thankful for your mercy and your grace, your forgiveness. Thankful for the reminder in your word that, that we don't have to remain stuck that you love us and that you desire uh, to change our hearts and our lives and the direction of our lives. So God, give us, give us the courage to believe what you say, to rest in the, your character, in your goodness, in your forgiveness, in your mercy, in your love. Help us to be honest with ourselves, to examine our hearts and to bring those into your presence. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the gift of confession and forgiveness in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
broken by the days gone by. Spirit, help my soul to
a shout of praise one more time. This has been a great place to be. If you are a River Ridge volunteer, you have nachos waiting on you in the cafe. Please go take advantage of that. And we look forward to seeing you guys back here next Sunday.